welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Well, hello, church. My name is Melissa Urich, and I am a part of the staff team here at The Well. Now, the truth is, I've been known to wear many a hat around this place, but currently, I'm only really wearing two. I'm the King Site Pastor, and that's our third site at The Well that we're launching just whenever we're allowed to launch a church. And I'm also the Family Ministry Pastor um, for all the kids across all three sites. Now, let's be real. What sounds like the funner job, adults or kids? You've got it. It's got to be the kids. And it's been my joy and my honor to serve in kids ministry for many, many years. And so that's really the reason that I'm here today. In the month of August, we do our All Together Now services and we rejig our worship services to give our adults a chance to experience worship and teaching in a family-friendly way. So these services tend to be a little bit louder and a little more interactive. So kids, you're probably going to have to help your parents along when it comes to answering questions or engaging in what's happening here this morning. So like we do um, in all of our school-age classrooms to begin, I have a question for you to discuss with your elbow buddy. Now, in this case, it's whoever is in the room with you. Um, Or if you're listening to a podcast, you can text whoever will answer your text. But let's begin with our couple-minute chat. What is something that you really like about yourself? And what is something you wish you could change? Go ahead. You can talk. So I could take lots of time to tell you about all the things I really like about myself. I mean, the list is quite extensive, but instead I want to tell you about something I wish was different. I wish I was athletic. Now, when I was growing up and even today, I really love sports, all the sports, but especially the Olympics. Oh man, do I love the Olympics and I miss it this summer. I had this really romantic idea of going and competing for Canada in any manner of sport, didn't matter which one, and bringing home the gold. Now that did not happen for me, but luckily my daughter helped me realize this dream. I think maybe you might enjoy this. Here I am, I'm, I'm doing the skeleton. I mean, I'm enjoying that. Or maybe I could have been a rower. I really like my arms in this picture, actually. I think I'll take that. You know, the (laughs) backflip. You see, there was only one problem. I'm terrible at sports, like all of the sports. Thankfully, I was raised to be exceedingly self-confident, and so my lack of athleticism didn't stop me from trying out for all the teams at school. And I did try out, and I got cut from almost every team. Sometimes I made the roster, but mainly that was them feeling sorry for them, for me. Each time I tried out, it dampened my spirits, but thanks just to the right mix of encouragement and delusion, I would try out again the next year. I was desperate to be good at sports. 
Now, my best friend in the whole world was the MVP of all the sports. And I mean that, every single one of them. Hockey, volleyball, basketball, wheelchair basketball. And she's even, like, she's able-bodied and she was still great at it. She could throw the javelin and made offsa. She was good at everything. She was and still is the best at so many of the things I long to be good at. I wasn't mad at her about it. In fact, I was happy for her and she was always really patient and encouraging and helpful to me. But all of this being cut thing and feeling awkward and inept at the one thing I wanted to be good at was wreaking havoc on my view of myself. I started to believe I wasn't good at anything. And then one time my BFF and I were holding a big party at her house. We grew up in the country and so she had lots of property and we were setting up a couple of volleyball nets so we could have a tournament in her yard. Um, We were trying to make teams even and she was working with another friend of mine and I overheard her say, okay, well, since Melissa isn't any good, she should go on that team. Ugh, shot to the heart. She said what I already knew to be true. I knew I wasn't any good at volleyball. But actually, what she said confirmed to me that because I wasn't good at the one thing I wanted to be good at, it meant I wasn't actually good at anything. And I began to cling to the lie that I was untalented. Can you relate to my story? Maybe it isn't about being athletic, but is there something about you something you've done or that you haven't done that you wish you could change. Maybe it's something you wish you said or something you wish you hadn't said. Is there something that you've taken hold of that you're hanging on to that defines who you are or how you think about yourself? If you're at home right now and it's easy for you to get a small piece of paper, I'd love you to do that. And you can write down whatever word that is that comes to mind, a word that you believe describes you. It may be a positive word. It may be a negative word. It could be athletic or klutzy. It could be funny or dumb. For me, it would have been untalented. You can go ahead and get the piece of paper. So have you written it down? Now fold it up really small and hold it tightly in your hand for me, can you? Don't let it go. I'm gonna let you know when you can release your fist, okay? Deal? You know, in our All Together services now this month, uh, we are exploring the stories of people who, because of their relationship with Jesus, have changed or are doing their unique part to change the world. These aren't Bible time characters, though those guys and girls are really awesome and we talk about them a lot. But this month, we're talking about ordinary people who you could actually run into on the street even, that because of Jesus's work in their lives, they have impacted the world in profound ways. And spoiler alert, the secret of their greatness is actually available to each one of us too, because it's Jesus's work in our hearts and our minds that actually makes our lives great. Today, we are talking about a woman called Christine Kane. Christine was born about 50 years ago in Sydney, Australia. Now, 
Australia is a long, long, long ways away. It's actually on the other side of the world. Do you see that? It would take over 22 hours on an airplane to get from Toronto to Sydney. What are some things that you know about Australia? Go ahead. You can yell them out at the screen. I'm listening. I can actually imagine that I'm hearing words like kangaroos, um, maybe koalas, maybe, ooh, the Great Barrier Reef. Wouldn't that be awesome to go snorkeling there? Um, maybe it's the Opera House in Sydney. We see that in pictures all the time. Maybe it's someone like Crocodile Dundee or Steve the Crocodile Hunter. I love that guy. Oh, crikey, that's what he always said. Um, maybe it's the Hemsworth Brothers. I don't know. That's Australia for you right there. Christine was born into a big fat Greek family in Australia. That's how she describes it. And growing up Greek um, in Sydney in the 1970s was actually hard. At that time, there were many migrant workers who had immigrated or moved from um, their, their home country to Australia, um, from Greece and Italy especially. They were poor. They'd left everything behind in their old country. They didn't speak English. And as such, they were often discriminated against. Sometimes you're going to hear the word marginalized used to describe these kinds of people. And that just means that they were kept on the outside. Think about your paper at school and how there's margins. That's what marginalized means. It means they're kept on the outside and not invited into the culture that's there. Well, Christine tells her story explaining that actually she spoke only Greek until she went to school when she was five years old. Um, that meant that she had a funny accent when she was speaking English and had to learn it there. Um, she grew up in public housing, which are buildings that the government provides for people who can't afford to pay for a home on their own. As such, she vividly remembers being made fun of for who she was, how she spoke, how poor her family was and where they were from. She said her brothers were very often beat up and she remembers being spat on as she walked to school and ridiculed. And even more sad and tragic than that was that during this time, from about when she was three years old all the way until she was 15 years old, Christine was mistreated. Actually, the word that we use is abused by four different people over and over again. Can you imagine how this made her feel? All of the things, the mocking and the violence and the mistreatment and the poverty all made Christine start to believe a word about herself too. I think the word that Christine would have written down if she had to choose one would be worthless. Now, are you still hanging on to the word that you wrote on that little piece of paper? Is your hand getting sweaty? Is it tired of holding it? Don't let go just yet, okay? Keep holding on to it. Now, Christine and her brothers were raised in a family that attended church, Greek Orthodox Church, in fact. And even though she had heard about God and Jesus, it wasn't until her teenage years when she realized she didn't need a priest to read her the Bible or talk to God on her behalf. She came to understand that God loved her and that he sent his son Jesus to die for her. And, she wanted a and he wanted a relationship with her. She learned that she could read and study the Bible actually on her own. And that because she had invited Jesus to be in her heart and in her life, that the Holy Spirit actually lived inside of her. And so she could talk to and hear from God whenever she liked. As she studied the Bible, 
She discovered that God didn't believe that she was worthless. In fact, it was the opposite. God believes that she is special, that she is uniquely and purposefully made, that she is a valuable masterpiece. And this truth, this truth helped her to start loosening her grip on the word that she held so tightly. So go ahead, don't drop your paper just yet, but loosen your grip on it just a little bit. Now there's a lot more to Christine's story and it involves a panicked phone call from her older brother, George, that would ultimately change everything Christine ever knew about herself. But before I tell you about that, I want us to think a little bit more about what we're holding on to and how that affects us. Now, don't worry, this is all gonna make sense in the end and I'm gonna tell you the rest of Christine's story, I promise. But have you ever been to the circus or have you seen one? Have you been to like Cirque du Soleil, which is amazing if you ever get a chance, or see, seen the movie um, The Greatest Showman? That's an excellent movie. Probably one of the scariest acts in that is the trapeze. You know, when people are um, singing, uh, sorry, when they are swinging on bars way up high in the air, kind of like this. Do you see that? Now, have you ever thought about how boring that show would be if they never let go of the bar that they were holding on to? I mean, at first we might be astounded by how high they are, um, but after a little while, just swinging back and forth, <sighs> might get a little bit boring. It's actually when they let go and fly across the air that it's pretty amazing and terrifying, isn't it? The truth is, they have to let go to take hold. The passage of scripture that is going to be read for us today is from a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote from jail to encourage a group of his friends who were trying to follow Jesus, and even though it was hard, they were struggling to find joy. We can relate with that, can't we? Like right now, when the world is a little bit scary and a little more dangerous and kind of out of sorts, it's been hard to feel joyful. Let's hear what Paul has to say. Today, I will be reading scripture from Philippians 3. 12 to 14. Not that I have already attained all this or have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. You know, before Paul decided to follow Jesus, he had been a pretty important, pretty powerful, pretty respected guy within his community. In fact, he may have written on his piece of paper, righteous or important or powerful. But after meeting Jesus and letting the Holy Spirit transform his life, he realized he needed to let go of his past and who he thought he was, um, to take hold of the life that God wanted him to live. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. And for Paul, taking hold meant choosing a much more difficult life. He would be beaten up, thrown in jail, shipwrecked, and ultimately he would end up dying for his faith in Jesus. But Paul said, we need to let go to take hold. We need to forget what is behind us so that we can press on toward the goal. And if we never let go, our hands won't be ready to take hold. So how does that apply to Christine? 
Well, remember how I told you she was loosening her grip on the word worthless that she'd been holding onto so tightly? But then I told you she received a call from her older brother, George, that threatened to change everything. Well, George called Christine to tell her that he had received a package in the mail from the government telling him that he was adopted. Now, Christine didn't believe it and told him that the government must have been mistaken. But after calling the Department of Community Services, it seemed to be true. He was adopted and he needed to get to the bottom of it. So George and Christine went to ask their mom, now their dad had already passed away at this point, to ask their mom what had happened and through tears, her mom admitted that yes, it was true. In those days in Australia, they had what is called closed adoptions. And that means that when a family adopts a child or a baby, they never meet or interact with the birth family again. They thought that that was what was best for kids then. Christine's mom didn't think that George would ever find out and that the best thing was to keep that secret. So as they cried about the secret that should never have been a secret because adoption is actually amazing and something to be celebrated, there was even more to the story. And I'm going to let Christine tell you about it in her own words. Adopted into a family who loves her, she wants each one of those 27 million numbers to experience the life and love that is available to them through Jesus. Because like Christine, they are not a mistake. They are not unwanted. They are loved and cherished and valued. So forgetting what is behind and pressing toward what is ahead, Christine established A21. It's a global organization whose goal is freedom and restoration for each of those 27 million slaves. They call themselves the 21st century abolitionists. We could call them the 21st century getting rid of slaveryists. You try and say that. Over the past 10 years, they've established a presence in 17 countries around the world, and they have taken a three-pronged approach to abolishing or getting rid of slavery. So the first thing they do is they want to increase their reach. They want to prevent slavery from ever happening by educating people through events and presentations and advertising and education. They go into schools. They even had an ad in the Super Bowl this year. The next thing they do is they rescue. In all of those 17 countries, Christine and her team work with the police officers and governments to find victims and rescue them. They help lawyers put the criminals who were selling victims into jail, and they help victims by being with them during these trials. And the last thing they do is they restore. They are committed to caring for and each rescued person and giving them access to housing and medical care and counseling and education and employment to help them be independent and be free. In 2019 alone, they helped free 331 survivors. They won 20 court cases around the world that put 31 traffickers into prison. And they had over 300, actually 323 survivors engage in their restoration and care ministry. Over the last 10 years, 1,000 survivors have been rescued through A21. Each number, a precious life, a unique soul with a purpose and a plan, just like Christine, just like you. So what does that mean for you today? How can Christine's story help you release that word, that thing that's in your past that defines you? I hope you're still holding on to that piece of paper, even if it's just loosely. 
I'm going to ask you to hold on to it for just a little bit longer. The worship team is going to come now and they're going to play a song to help us to respond to the story that Jesus is writing in Christine's life and in yours. And you may want to sing with us or you may just want to sit and listen to the words and realize how loved and valuable you are to God. But after we've sung together, I'm going to help you figure out what all this means for you in your life today. Letting go and taking hold. How do we actually do that? Well, I think the answer lies in the passage we read today, but I was being tricky and I didn't point it out earlier. So remember the passage that was read began with this. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul says that he presses on to take hold of that which Jesus already took hold of him. What? I think it's kind of like this trapeze artist that we were talking about earlier. I know we are most impressed when the person is flying across the air, but did you ever wonder how they trained to do that? I found a picture. Now, of course, the person still has to be brave and let go of the bar, but look closely. Do you see this? The athlete is all strapped in. She's being held by the harness and she's safe. So it still takes a lot of bravery and determination to let go, but the apparatus has a hold of her. She's safe. Paul was reassuring us that Jesus doesn't say, let go and let me see how it, ha like how it works out. Let's see how this goes. He says, let go. I've got you. <laughs> Don't worry. Take, take hold of me. I already have hold of you. Let's talk about that piece of paper in your hand, the one that you've held through this entire service. I'm not sure what you wrote on it. Maybe it was something negative like mine or Christine's, untalented, worthless, klutzy or slow or dumb or maybe a screw up. Maybe it's more positive like Paul's like athletic or musical or smart or popular. Either way, I'd like you to hold up your fist, the one that's holding that piece of paper. And then I'd like you to take your empty hand and imagine that it's Jesus's hand. Paul tells us that we don't have to be afraid to let go because Christ has already taken hold of us. So wrap your empty hand around your fist and release that little slip of paper into Jesus's open and empty hand. Good or bad, Christ has taken hold of that which once had hold of you. Let go and take hold. You know, this week, I wanna bless you with the ability to take hold of the identity that God has for you to grab hold of the words that God uses to describe you. They are words like chosen and wanted, uniquely designed, needed, valuable, loved. You know, if you're interested in learning more or getting involved in the Wells fight against human trafficking right here in York Region, you can contact any of your site pastors and we'd be happy to help you get involved. And if you'd like someone to pray for you, maybe about something that we've talked about this morning or anything else, really, we have a prayer team that is waiting um, actually online on a Zoom call and they're available after the service. You can go to thewell.ca slash prayer and that'll take you directly to, to that link.